0: A, a life that a man lived. The uh, certain characteristics of this life. If you look outside into the world is, uh, in which we live, you've seen this bumper sticker. It's called the salt life. A lot of folks like to wear this bumper sticker on the back of their cars or wear a t shirt that says the salt life. Now, there's nothing wrong with the salt life. Uh, the folks like to go fishing, go to the beach, and all those things. Uh, that is, if you're dressed right. Uh, but, again, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But I want to tell you about a different life. is uh, You don't have to wear a T-shirt or have a bumper sticker on the back of your car to be living this type of life and for somebody to know it. Somebody's going to know if you're living that lifestyle because you're conveying that to the outside world. But in this case, you don't have to wear that T-shirt. It's extremely obvious To everybody around you, it's extremely obvious to your family, to your church, to your preacher, to anybody lost, saved, backslid, where you need to be with the Lord. If you end up in this condition, you don't have to advertise it. I want to talk to you about the Saul life. Not the salt life, but the Saul life. Again, let's get in the Word here. 1 Samuel chapter number 15. Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken unto unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way, and when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek, and utterly destroy all that they have, and spare them not but slay both man and woman, infant, suckling, oxen, sheep, camel and ass. And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Taliam, 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came into the city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. And Saul said unto the Kenites, Go, depart, get you down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For ye showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites, and Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until thou comest assure that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag the king of the Amalekites alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good And would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refuse, that they destroyed utterly. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I set up Saul to be king. For he has turned back from following me, and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried, Under the Lord all night. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you in the precious name of Jesus Christ, the name that's above every name. I beg you, God, Lord, that you'd give me, Lord, what I need. I beg you, Father, Lord, maybe you'd help us this evening, Lord. I beg you, God, you'd help Brother Randy, Lord. I beg you, God, you'd fill him up for the Holy Ghost. I beg you, Father, Lord, you'd anoint him. I beg you, God, there'd be liberty, Lord, in this church house, Lord. I beg you, God, Lord, somebody this week would get the help they need. I beg you, God, again, Lord, that you'd just help me, Lord. I can't walk without you. Hold my hand, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to be here. Thank you for this church house. And I, I saw this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. So again, the Saul life, and we've read the text here. Uh, what happened here is uh, Samuel told Saul, he said, go down and destroy the Amalekites. The Amalekites were a thorn in the side of Israel whenever they were crossing over out of the wilderness, whenever they were leaving Egypt. They were a thorn in the side of the nation of Israel. They were a type of the flesh. So your flesh is a thorn in your side tonight. So keep that in mind. The Amalekites are a type of the flesh. God wanted Saul to destroy the Amalekites so that way they could stop sacrificing to those gods, of those strange people, to stop dealing with those strange folks because they had strange tendencies. If you deal with your flesh, your flesh has strange tendencies because it walks contrary to the spirit. So, if you're living the Saul life, you're going to favor these things here. So, let's look at this here, some characteristics of the Saul life. Again, you don't have to advertise these things. You think you can keep these things a secret. Saul thinks he can keep these things a secret from Samuel. We're going to find out here in a minute that is not the case. So, first characteristic, I'll give you three points and I'll get out of the way. I don't know how long before the man of God gets here, but I'll just give you three points here. First point, lack of attention to detail. Spent a lot of time in the military. Spent eight years in. Brother Shane spent some time in the military. Don't know of any of you other men in here spent time in the service. Main thing that I learned in that time was attention to detail, brother. Attention to detail is so imperative. You miss one minute detail, it might cost somebody their life. If you miss one minute detail, it may cost you your spiritual life. It might cost you everything you got. You might get so far away from God because you miss one detail. You might get so far away from God that you won't be able to find him with a bloodhound. You won't know him if you met him in Kmart because you get so far away. You miss one little detail. Hey, think about the part there where it says, thou shalt not kill. Let's think about this book here, the instruction we have. Thou shalt not kill. You go out here and you forget or you miss the detail in this Bible that says, thou shalt not kill. And you go out here and you murder somebody on the streets of Landrum. You've lost your life. They might commit you to the death penalty. They might put you in prison the rest of your life. You've lost everything because you missed the details. That's one extreme example. That's taken a little far. But Saul missed a small detail. We're going to find out here in just a minute. Look at verse number 13. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou the Lord. I perform the commandment of the Lord. Hey, preacher, nice to see you, preacher. Thanks for coming. I just want to let you know I've done everything you asked of me. I've done exactly what God asked me to do. Hey, Mom and Dad, I've done exactly what you asked me to do. While you was gone, I cleaned the house. I've done everything else you asked me to do. Oh, but I didn't take out the trash. I didn't cut the grass. I didn't do everything you told me to I just halfway done it. So lack of attention to detail. Saul thinks he's done the right thing. He's telling the preacher. He conveyed that out of his mouth to the preacher. Preacher, I've done everything you told me to do. Samuel's about to pop his bubble here. Let's look and see. And Samuel said in verse number 14, What meaneth then this bleating of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? Where did all these sheep come from, Saul? Where did all these oxen come from that you didn't have before? I know God didn't rain sheep and oxen out of heaven like manna. God didn't bring these sheep out of nowhere. They didn't just miraculously appear. So Saul, I need an explanation here. Where did these sheep come from? Samuel knows what has already happened. Verse number 10, it says, Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, He already knew. I got news for you, church. And I don't know how many of you were here. The The message I preached here, it was the second message I would preached after I surrendered down here. I, and I gave my testimony. But I'll share just a little piece of it right here with you. When I went off in the military, I got saved when I was 15. When I went off in the service, I came home from Afghanistan and uh, May of 2013 and it was about September of 2013 I think whenever I went to the church where I grew up at and the preacher preached a message and he said put the Budweiser down and he kept pointing and he said that over and over again and he kept pointing out in the congregation but it felt like every time he pointed he was pointing at me and he literally when he pointed his finger I was like man he, he knows something I went off in the military, and I dabbled in that alcohol, thinking it was going to be okay. I wasn't around my family. I wasn't around anybody. The preacher wasn't there. Mom and dad wasn't there. I didn't think God cared. Big mistake, lack of attention to detail. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. That's what the Bible says. So look here. Whenever I came back, and I went to the service there, and the preacher preached that message, I fell under heavy conviction and chastisement of, Went to the altar, got right. Lord gave me an opportunity. But I told the preacher after service. I said, preacher, I said, this is what's happened. I had to go tell him. I couldn't live with it. I I knew that he knew. We were sitting in his study, just me and him. And he said, would have never known if you had not have told me. Would not have known. I had no clue. I was playing church real good. I was playing like I knew how to play. Because I grew up in church from the time I was a little boy. Knowed it my whole life how to play church. He would have never known the man of God, but God knew. He preached that message, and that got to me. That got so far under my skin and down into my soul, and God broke me over that. But even though we know Samuel knew, Samuel knew what had happened because God told him. But the preacher may not always know exactly what's going on in your life, but God don't wake the preacher up at 4.30 in the morning and give him a message for no reason. So I'm just giving that lack of attention to detail. So Saul had some details here. Samuel taught him utterly destroy everything. Man, woman, animals, everything. Wipe them out. I don't want nothing left. Nothing left. Leave no stone unturned, Saul. So that's what happened here. But Saul thinks he'd done exactly what he was supposed to do. Verse number 15. Let's look back at this. And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites. They brought them from the Amalekites, preacher. I thought we were supposed to destroy those. Violation number one, lack of attention to detail. For the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Hey, preacher, we just wanted to save the best ones. God didn't say leave the best ones. He didn't say bring these to sacrifice Lack of attention to detail. So, Samuel told him, Utterly destroy everything. I don't want anything left out of this crowd because they're wicked. We have to utterly destroy our flesh. What happens when you kill something? You put it six foot under. It does not come back up, except in the case of when we get these glorified bodies and the graves open up on that resurrection day. But... Other than that, when you kill something, you put it six foot under. You don't need to bring that stuff back. We don't need to return back to the things that we were doing. So God wanted this crowd wiped out. So we see lack of attention to detail in the Saul life. Again, characteristics of that. If you don't have attention to detail, everybody's going to notice because it's going to reflect on your outward appearance, whether it's your attitude, whether it's your walk, what you say, what you're wearing. What you're drinking, hey, I'm just telling you from personal experience. The saw life is no secret. So, verse number three is what God really said again. So, if you want to make that point there, you can look at the proof. The proof is in the pudding. In verse number three, he said destroy everything. Lack of attention to detail has other consequences. We can't just do things halfway, church. We cannot do things half. We can't be halfway in any of this. I'll give you Revelation 3, verse number 16. God's got some cautions about doing things halfway. And I know we're tired. I know it's, it's weary. It's, all these things, of the world, the outside pressures and things of that nature, it's hard to accomplish these tasks. It's, it's hot outside. You want to go outside and work. Let's talk uh, in a carnal illustration. You want to go outside and do these things. It's hard to finish the job. It's, it's hot out there. It's summertime. Uh, you're fatigued. We're fatigued in our spiritual life. So much outside pressure warring against the principalities and the powers of the air. But God says we got to do things all the way. We got to go all the way. Verse number 15 of chapter 3 in Revelation says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. You're right in the middle. I would thou art cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. God says it's just best not to do it at all. He said, I wish you was cold or hot. But he said, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. That's doing it halfway. That's, right. that's what God said. He, so that's a characteristic of the Saul life there. Lack of attention to detail and doing things halfway is detrimental to our spiritual health. Second point, doing bad things with good intentions. Some of the worst things can be done with the best intentions. Let's look at this, verse number 9. And he said, but Saul and the people spared Agag, that was the king of the Amalekites, and the best of the sheep. He saved all them really good sheep. That's what the Levitical law commanded. The Levitical law that they had was whenever you went to sacrifice, you picked out the best sacrifice. You didn't pick no lame sacrifice. You didn't want to bring no crippled sacrifice. To the Lord, you wanted to bring the best. So Saul said, I got good intentions here. I want to sacrifice. But what does God say? Let's see what thus saith the Lord. Verse number 22. It says, and Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. God said, that's great. You want to sacrifice But the best thing you ought to do is just listen. We don't need to take no shortcuts. So we can do some really bad things with good intentions. I have intentions to do really good things. I want to stay home and uh, get some work done this week. I got a lot of things I got to get done. Hey, that's great, getting all those things done. But I'd be missing out on church. I'd be missing out on an opportunity to come preach. If I wasn't to come tonight, it would have been really easy to lay up at the house. And I, I know who I'm preaching to. we got very few here right now. But I appreciate each and every one of you. But I want to make us aware of these things. A the preacher preached a message one time. And I heard it really stuck with me called danger awareness. And it was kind of along these lines. There's, there's danger, so we need to be aware of these things. So I'm not necessarily condemning one specific person, but hey, Lord knows. But danger awareness. We need to be aware of what's going on so that way... We don't end up falling into living the Saul life. So doing bad things with good intentions is a characteristic of the Saul life. Look at this, verse number 19. It says, When therefore didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil and didst evil in the sight of the Lord. He seen something that looked good and went after it. It looked real good to do something like this. Hey, preacher told me one time, this is another saying it really stuck with me. He said, just because it's shiny and yellow does not mean that it is gold. If I go out and I start digging something up in my backyard, there's a whole lot of things that are shiny and yellow, but that's fool's gold. That ain't real gold. If there's real gold in my backyard, I promise you, I'd have a backhoe out there digging that stuff up right now. But we excavated that place and we put our new home in a few months ago. And when we put that thing in, i seen a bunch of shiny stuff. But I know in my mind that's for Micah. That's not real gold. It's shiny and yellow, though. I could have went down there and I could have started digging up, and had gold fever, just like them guys back in the day going on the gold rush and everything else. But just because it's shiny and yellow, it don't mean it's gold. And that's where Saul went. He flew upon the spoil. He seen something. Hey, I seen all those sheep out there, preacher, they look good. We can sacrifice these. Look, it's not a waste. I'm doing something good. I'm out here. Uh, I'm working. I'm providing for my family. I need to do those things. That's good to provide for my family. But if I don't give place to the Lord first, I'm going to be in a mess. I've got to give place to what God says. I've got good intentions. I want to take care of my family. But I cannot go out and work a job that's going to require me to work on Sundays because that's going to take me out of the house of God where I'm going to get something more important that I need. I've got to be here. So, again, characteristics of the saw life, going back to that. Doing bad things with good intentions. Third point, making excuses for sin. When you live in a salt life, you will make excuses for your sin. And everybody will know too because they're going to ask you about it and you're going to come off with a left-handed excuse and they're going to say, well, that don't sound quite right. And they're going to go back and look at it and they're going to say, oh, wait, that was just some sort of excuse because I've been there. I've done it. Again, talking from personal experience. Look at verse number 21 and verse number 24. Saul, or Samuel, preacher's talking to Saul. Let's go to verse 20 here. And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. He already said that there earlier on in the chapter. And he said, And have gone the way which the Lord sent me. I did exactly what you said. I went where you told me to go. And I have brought Agag the king of Amalek and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. No, he didn't. He's making excuses. He did not do exactly what God said because we've already uncovered that he said, what meaneth then the bleeding of these sheep in my ears? Well, if you did what he said, then why are these sheep still here? So, and he spared the king. Oh, hey, I'm going to spare the king. I'm going to bring him to the preacher. Let the preacher see that I've spared the king. I had a little bit of mercy. Hey, mercy's good. Hey, show somebody a little bit of mercy. So give somebody a little bit of grace. Hey, we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to give people mercy. God gave us mercy. Again, going back to point number two, bad things with good intentions. Hey, I want to I spare the king. Uh, hey, maybe the king's got intelligence on our enemies. We can spare him. We can go after these other bad guys here. He might have intelligence on the Philistine army. Hey, I'm militant-minded. If you capture an enemy, you want to find out what that enemy knows because he might help you get to the other enemies. We captured one of the Taliban in Afghanistan. When we captured that guy, we sent him to somewhere. Where they withdrew intelligence from that guy. Not in this case. Don't need no intelligence. God is the intelligence. God is the intelligence that Saul needed. And God gave word already. He said kill them all. Didn't say kill them all and spare the king. So make an excuse for 10. Verse number 21. But the people. But the people. He said but the people took of the spoil. He's blaming it on the people now. Blaming it on everybody else around him. Hey. I'll give you one I heard the other day. There was somebody that got busted with drugs, and their excuse to the police—I talked to the police man—and he said their excuse was, "Oh, they weren't my drugs. I was just with people that were doing it." Hey, that's again—that's a, a, an extreme excuse. Hey, this ain't my beer. This is somebody else. I'm just holding it for a friend, making excuses. But the people blame it on everybody else around him. So when you're living the saw life, you're going to blame it on everybody else around you. You won't take responsibility for your sin until it's too late. We're going to see in just a minute whenever it's too late. You want to take responsibility after you've hit rock bottom. And it says, but the people. Everyone else is doing it. mom and dad told me when I was a little kid, everybody else is jumping off a cliff, son. Are you going to go do it? I stayed away from the drugs, thank God, by his marvelous grace. There was everybody in the school doing dope and smoking pot and everything else whenever I was in school. But by God's grace, I stayed away from that mess. Uh, But just because everybody else is doing it don't mean you got to partake of it, especially if you're the man in charge. If your family's in a mess and you're the person in charge, husbands, if you're the one in charge, mom, if you're in charge of the kids, if it doesn't matter, if you're the one in charge and you're the person of authority and somebody's doing something and you have control over that situation, fix it. Fix that situation because it may be too late, even if it was the people. Even if it was the people. And we don't know if it really was the people. It didn't really give us a whole lot of detail there, but it gave us enough detail to where we know that he's making excuses for it. He was a man in control. Again, going back to the military. Whenever I was in the military, I was an officer in the army. I was in charge of 72 people for an entire year in Afghanistan. I was responsible for every single one of those 72 lives and souls. I was responsible for everything our unit did and failed to do. I was responsible for everything. Down to every penny we spent, down to every mission we ran. If somebody died, it was my fault. If everybody made it back home, it was my fault as well. I was the one responsible. Thank God everybody made it back home. I don't know if I could have dealt with the other Situation. I don't know if I could have wrote that letter to a mom or dad or husband or wife. But if you're in charge, you got to fix these situations. So that way you don't have to make excuses for it later on. So making excuses for sin, he said, but the people. But the people did it, preacher. And he said, everyone else is doing it. Verse number 32, look here. Then said Samuel, bring ye hither to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites, and Agag came unto him delicately. And Agag said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. They had killed all the Israelites. They had killed a bunch of them over there whenever they were crossing into the wilderness. And he was telling the preacher, He said, Surely you forgot about that whole mess there whenever you were coming out of Egypt. Surely the bitterness of death is past. Uh, and I could see uh, Agag coming to Samuel with the smug look on his face, thinking, Oh, it's not a big deal. But, and. We'll see in verse number 33, and it said, And Samuel said, As thy sword hath made women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. And Samuel hewed Agag into pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Old gray-headed preacher. We know at this time, you can read back in Samuel, uh, just a couple chapters before, Samuel was an old gray-headed man at this point. Old gray-headed preacher cut that man up, killed him point I want to draw out of that is if you don't deal with your sin the preacher will that's a preacher's job God chose the foolishness of preaching to save the lost but he also chose that preacher that day to convict me and give that word and point that finger at me and that didn't feel so good I felt embarrassed you don't want the preacher to have to stand up and say something And it may not be, again, that the preacher knows about it. He may not know, but as I said before, the Lord knows. You think you might be able to hide it from the preacher. I did, but God knows. You ain't going to hide nothing from God. It doesn't matter what you do or where you go. I went 3,000 miles away from this place, 5,000 miles, however far Afghanistan is. I could not run from my problems. I could not get far away enough from my problems. It don't matter where you're at on this planet. You're not going to run from these things. So if you don't deal with it here and now, or at the time that you're supposed to deal with it, get it right, you're going to be making excuses for it later on. Again, our flesh walks contrary to our spirit. It's real easy to tell a little white lie or make an excuse or say something as to why you didn't get it done or paint it in a good light. Let's look at this real quick. James chapter number 4, verse number 14. It says whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow for your for what is your life it is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanish, vanisheth away. Don't waste your time living the Saul life. If you waste your time living like Saul it's going to cost you. Because it's just a vapor. I'm only 29. I don't know how old everybody here is and it, it doesn't matter but What does matter is the time that you got left and the time you're still here. Don't waste your time living the saw life because he says it's just a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. What are we doing with the time that we have? We shouldn't use our time to live the saw life. Live a different life. Don't do things halfway. Don't do bad things with good intentions. Don't make excuses for these things. Let's deal with these things because there is consequences. Look at verse number 17. Back in 1 Samuel there. Verse number 17. I'll give you a couple more and I'll be done here. Just a couple more scriptures. Verse number 17. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thy own sight, wast thou not made head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. When God saved your soul, and God gave you a way out, of where you was at. Did he not give you everything? Did he not give you eternal life? Did he not give you everything? He gave Saul everything. He gave him the king. Even though that the whole plan was not to have a king. If you go back and look in Samuel there. Saul was appointed against the will of the preacher. The preacher did not want to do that. God's whole intentions was to have... The people worship him and not worshiping a king. God feared it, or preacher feared, and the whole context of all this was that if Saul was established as king, or if a king was established, that the people would be worshiping a king, and that's what they were doing. Every man, every man did that which was right in his own eyes, and we've seen that a lot in this time period. So but even still God gave Saul everything, gave him the whole kingdom, made him the head honcho. How would you feel tonight to be president of the United States of America? How great would that be? Hey, you'd have everything, you'd have access to everything. Uh, the sister's shaking her head, no, that's a that might be uh, it might be more of a burden than anything. Uh, I seen a seen a picture of some of them guys uh, from the time they started till the time they finished. Eight years looked like forty years on some of them guys. Uh, but I'm just telling you, God gave them. Gave him everything. Kings in that time, they, they lived far above everybody else. They, they, he had it all. And we have it all tonight, church. We have our salvation tonight. Don't get stuck living the Saul life. There's consequences to this. Look here. He's, he's going to ask for forgiveness. Verse number 25. Now, therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin, and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. Here's the consequence. Verse number 26. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee. For thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. And Samuel turned about to go away, and he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle and rent it. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent. For he is not a man that he should repent. And he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now. I pray thee before the elders of my people and before Israel. And turn again with me that I may worship the Lord thy God. And Samuel turned again after Saul. And Saul worshipped the Lord. Saul so tried to make reconciliation here, but it was too late. Preacher Dunn spoke. Said, this is it. This is the last straw. You had an opportunity to do the right thing. We have an opportunity to do the right thing tonight. And it might be a last chance to do the right thing. I'm thoroughly convinced that had I not turned back to the way I was supposed to go that night when the preacher preached that message, I would be dead or in jail or something of the nature. If I would have went back in the military for another six years like I planned on doing, my life would not be what it is now my life would probably be over. I wouldn't have a wife. I wouldn't have a little boy. I wouldn't have surrendered to preach. I wouldn't have anything that I have now. And I don't have anything as far as worldly possessions. And I'm not rich financially. I'm rich in mercy and in grace. Whereas before, I was, I was rich financially before. I had everything. I was a 23-year-old guy making $60,000 a year. Uh, single. Had everything I thought I wanted. Brand new truck. Had a whole lot of stuff I thought I wanted. I wouldn't trade you the whole world for my wife and little boy and that little single-wide trailer we got over there on Lyle's Pond right now. You couldn't convince me that that other life was better. So, again, this is personal experience. Don't live the Saul life because I've been there, done that. Again, preaching from personal experience. That's all I got, preacher. You can come on.